0: Hello, welcome to the University of Brighton podcast. I'm Richard Newman. This week, we're meeting our new Brighton Students' Union offices for the upcoming year ahead, and also talking to the BSU CEO, Laura Greenwood-Pearson. So joining me today, along with Laura, is our new president, Siam Sayada, Evangeline Solomon, Vice President for Welfare, Meg Donovan, Vice President for Activities, and some of you may also know Rami Badri vice president education who's starting his second term in the role so thanks so much everyone for coming on let's briefly get to know you all first we'll start with uh we'll start with you madam president um tell us a little bit about yourself um, maybe a bit about what you've been studying and, and and where you're from what your interests are um so we'll start with you and then we'll move on to evangeline
1: Hi, my name is Saham Ziada. I am a graduate to be in chemistry. I studied uh, a bachelor's in chemistry at Brighton um, with a keen interest in environmental chemistry. Um, I'm a Londoner as well. So big up the commuting um, <laughs> and yeah. Um, hi, my name's Evangeline and
2: I too am a graduate of economics. So I spent, um, I spent, uh, I spent the last three years studying um, and mainly at Mithra's house, but um, was able to just get into other places in uni, um, Brighton Uni through like um, Basel Central and those things. Um, I lived in Brighton, so I just was able to um, get keep, find little spots and stuff where I would um, do my own work and those things. But... Yeah, these three years have flown by so quickly and I have no idea how it happened.
3: <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Meg, I'm the new Vice President Activities. Um, I'm originally from Worcestershire in Birmingham, not a lot of people know where that is. Um, uh, I've just finished studying English language and I was the president of Musical Theatre Society, which was my favorite thing about university.
4: Uh, Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in. I'm Rami and I'm originally from the Middle East. Um, I initially did my um, undergraduate degree in America studying uh, criminal justice and then I came to the UK to pursue a law degree and uh, really the SU actually changed the course of my life because I ended up running for election in my first year at university, which is how I ended up being very lucky enough to do this.
5: I'll bore you with mine too. Hi, I'm Laura Grima-Pearsons. I'm the Chief Executive of the Students' Union. Um, I did my degree far too long ago to think about now Um, in liverpool doing education studies with drama Um, but nobody wants to hear about that it's much more exciting to have an undergraduate degree at brighton these days
0: we do all want to hear about that laura of course we do (laughs) Um, let's just um go around and just see why you all wanted to get into this in the first place then um how's it been in the early stages and yeah i guess i guess what were your motivations to to run for your roles
1: I have had like extensive experience with the SU. Um, I think I remember ever since I got into Brighton, I was really gobsmacked by the fresher's fair. And so I wanted to be part of this community. And so I stood for uh, the presidency of the Islamic Society, and that was a huge success. I was awarded Student of the Year Award. And I think ever since then, I'd realised that I was very attached to the SU and I didn't want to let go just um, just yet. So you know, leadership and and community work outreach projects, it's it's all part of my passion. And so it only felt right to take on the presidency. So here I am. And I think one thing that's really been, you know, very, very exciting is that, given that we are the first SU team to deal with the kind of pandemic officially, um, it's gonna be a very unique experience and an experience, you know, despite all the uncertainties that may arise, um, is something that is very kind of unique to us and unique to our experiences. So something that I am kind of cherishing already. Couldn't agree more in that sense of, it's just an amazing
2: time to be a part of this team. But the reason why, um, so when I joined um, Brighton, why well, was a very, our, our cohort was the first ones to do um, a straight economics course there. So it was like a, it was a small group and it was amazing just to be able to have this level of um, uh, student and lecturer um, conversation. So I ran to be um, the course rep which I continued on for the next three years. So from that, I started integrating myself with the SU to which then I had the greatest blessing of joining um, Basement Central, which is one of the ca- um, our main um, cafes in Brighton. Got to meet so many lovely people, um, worked with Meg there, um, and got to just have a really great experience and just be a couple footsteps away from the SU offices. So it was really great seeing that. And then the way in which I came into this role is, complete happiness because I was, I used to spend every evening I could at Basin Central it was my hub, it was my spot, it was like my perching ground and Rami with his amazing sense of just knowing what people need. I um, i personally felt like my time hasn't been, wasn't completed um, when I came towards my end of third year so I was looking at doing stuff in Brighton and I ran into Rami and he was just like the elections are coming up why don't you try and apply for that so we started chatting And um, we, um, even on open day, we managed to have like a couple um, conversations about it. And lo and behold, here I am.
3: Yeah, my experience is quite similar. So um, I've had a really good experience with the SU. So um, my first year I joined Musical Theatre Society and then became president in my second year um, and loved that because it was... It was just the best thing seeing people get involved in stuff. And even though it was musical theatre and it wasn't just like performing, like anyone can get involved, even if they were just fans of it or they wanted to do some tech or they just wanted to be like um, like a support system with the rest of the team. So I think I definitely learned that everyone's got their niche. And I think that's so important. And the reason I ran for activities was because I feel like I really want to help people find their thing that they love like whatever it is because it will definitely help them not only in their course um it will also help them in the future and give them the confidence to do other things so um i really wanted to get involved in helping people again find that things i really enjoyed that in second year um and also as evangeline said i loved being part of the um uh, bsu Basement Central Cafe um, because I just loved speaking to students and whatever kind of day I was having, like talking to a student would always cheer me up, it was the best thing. And also Rami um, also encouraged me to go for the role straight Australia. I was just like, yes, definitely. I'd love to do that.
4: I'm going to come in after all three of you wonderful people. And Laura, I'm excited to hear from you about why you joined BSU. But before that, um, I think what I'll say is I initially stood for election, actually in my first year of joining the university and that was really motivated. I could have predicted getting involved in the SU or being lucky enough to do this. But I think what BSU really does for a lot of students is it really focuses on their lived experience and it gives you a place to see yourself and to be yourself and your most authentic self. So I was actively involved in debating law and amnesty societies because those were things that were really close to my heart. Personally, um, and it really was interesting as an experience because when I look back, at, and this was all, again back in twenty. 20- 19, um, about a year and a half ago, I was just really deeply inspired by what the SU actually does for its students. Um, and what that really meant for me was actually moving me beyond. I'm, I'm very nerdy by nature, which I'm sure is going to be very surprising to those listening today. But I, I think the SU gave me far more than that. It enabled me to really focus on the, the my greater callings perhaps in life and my sources of passion. So I was motivated by that. And the past year, um, I think, really instilled that belief more in me. And I think that's mainly because of students themselves. And I think it takes such bravery and courage to, for students on a daily basis to share their stories and experiences with us. And, and what's the best part of this role really is that essentially students show you on a daily basis both the way that the university and the world should be. And and those things effectively effectively become our manifestos throughout the year. So I was just I didn't want to let go of that just yet. And I think that's really the best thing about the SCU that you know we get to really work directly for students and we get to work with a broad range of individuals to advance the student interest so I was just deeply inspired and, and hence I stood for re-election and I'm just really grateful to still be here really with all of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Laura what's your role like at, at this time because um, can you tell us what your role involves and also like how hard is it to bring a new team together?
5: yeah so so my role um, i often get asked if i've got re-elected again uh, which is always nice to know because because if my job was based on re-election i'd have been re-elected 20 times which is lovely thought Um, so as one of the permanent staff members our role is sort of to provide the continuity for both the students and the services because we are an independent business and charity so it's really important that we make sure we're doing everything properly and appropriately to give the platform for the students' officers each year to come in and and push forward their agendas and be the best that they can be. So at at the moment, bringing a a new officer team in, obviously Rami, we're blessed to have for the second year, has been actually much better experience than I was expecting, mainly because of the personalities we've got, but it is obviously as everybody's experiencing. Everything is just a little bit harder, a little bit more different and difficult to do things remotely. For example we would normally take the officers away for a residential for three days and obviously we can't do that at the moment so we're just having to do things in a slightly different way but i think it's working quite well so far i've seen a really good uh, huge levels of as you can hear yourself of enthusiasm for the new officer team so uh, i'm confident that we can uh, keep that going and, and make a difference and it's right that we're experiencing exactly the same as our students are experiencing at the moment So we can be really empathetic to the needs of what's going on at the moment and really experiencing it ourselves firsthand.
0: Mm -hmm. Rami, I'm I'm interested to know you're in a good position to to tell us how helpful is it to have Laura around?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I can demonstrate that in numeric terms, which is probably the number of emails that I send Laura on any given day asking sorts of things. But beyond that, I think what I'll say is you know, as officers, we're incredibly lucky because our roles are so public facing. But the truth behind that as well is that we get incredible support from Laura and from, from staff across the union. And that really enables us to do our roles. I think with Laura specifically, I've learned some of my most valuable lessons as an officer. Um, and that would be actually the really value of bringing everyone along the journey with you in anything that you do. And I'll always be grateful to Laura for really teaching that. But I think what Laura does for all of us really as officers is, you know we're trained to really see all sides of everything and to make sure that we're constantly able to serve all student groups um, and that's not that's not an easy thing for, for a new student officer because oftentimes you come into the role from the specific perspective of course you study or a school that you were involved in and Laura really equips us to see all of that and the broader picture and to constantly uh, you know you really use that to advance the collective student interest and also looking at kind of the intersecting inequalities but beyond that I think as well um, she provides all the, all the incredible support that we get, you know, because there, there will be days where we do need that extra level of support. Um, and, and especially now during these challenging periods, really that a lot of that comes down to Laura and I think staff within the union that keep us going and keep, keep our enthusiasm up in so many ways.
0: Hmm. I, I'm, I'm interested to know how you all feel like you, how you do reflect all of those voices because it's so hard to be, I mean, you are the mouthpiece for the students um, at the university. So I'm interested to know about that. But you also ran for election on manifestos. Um, I'm going to ask you all to, to tell us, pick, pick maybe one thing, which is maybe means more to you than anything else. Maybe it's your, it's your big priority. And we can have a little bit of discussion about those as well.
1: For me, I think it's very interesting now because we're all thinking about our manifestos and, and we wrote our manifestos prior to the lockdown. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how we manifest those ideas and bring them into life. And which ones that we can and which ones that we, we may not um which ones are short-term goals which ones are long-term goals it'll be very interesting to discuss that in the next um you know set of weeks but for me my biggest thing was firstly being and I've, and I've said this to the team already is that I want to make sure that every student that crosses paths with me is heard and that's the most important thing right now often students come into university and feel like they they're just coming in and coming out and they don't Feel represented in any way shape or form and they don't feel like their voices and their identities are being heard let alone represented and celebrated so that's the most important thing i, I hope that by the end of you know my 12 months with the SU, that people can turn around and say well saham actually listened and saham sat us down and, and supported us and guided us to the right you know contact my um biggest i think manifesto point that i'm really really passionate about is employability universities are a platform and a a beautiful platform for students to come in and refine themselves build their characters and make themselves more employable um for the you know uh, working world irrespective of what sector they get into and i think that now given we are in lockdown that's more time for students to actually engage perhaps in optional courses in you know in picking up a language or two and i wanted My passion is um, to make sure that we can kind of put something out there um, for students to, um, you know, take up during their free time so that they don't miss out on that student experience, um, you know, whilst they're in university.
2: I couldn't agree more with um, your points in there of like, just making sure people feel like we're there and there to listen and there to just be what they need us to be especially during this time of complete like uncertainty we didn't know what our week next our next week let alone what we were choosing in modules were going to look like so for us to be a team that listens and to be able to be attentive to their needs um is something that is very close to all of our hearts and we and could yeah just hope that when we do um come to the end they'll see that we were actively trying to be there for them but in terms of my manifesto i think the my main priority probably is the well-being side of it, so which is why I stood for this role. But um, in the sense of just giving, make normalizing the idea of asking for help and equipping yourself before you're already in a time of stress or um, in time of high pressure so that you can always be able to say right let me break this down let me see why I'm feeling this way and know how to move on forward not to always be like I'm moving from one breakdown to another so that we can grow together and of course I'm um, very aware of the fact that like uh, progress is not a straight line it does have its it has its divots it has all these things but that's exactly why we're here to listen to support and give you the tools which won't just be carried out throughout your academic years at Brighton but to take you
3: forward into any form of your adult life. I think my main priority is um, inclusivity so for example I want to make sure that students have like a place to go so for example with societies obviously now that's going to be a struggle because of the pandemic but i want to make it so they still feel like they can go to those places even if it's virtually and make it the most fun and appealing possible so they still have a place um so they they still feel like they have a place to go and so they can speak to these like-minded people because obviously it's important to speak to people on your course because you're all doing the same subject. So you're going to have something in common, but I feel like with societies, they're there, they're there for a reason. So each society is there for a completely different person. So I really want people to feel involved, um, and included. And I just don't want anyone to be left behind really. And it would be great to even start a couple of new societies. So, um, people feel even more included.
4: And, and yeah, I mean, really, my 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 response to that would be actually a combination of all of that, and it's, it's what I think is at the heart of the SU that we're all committed to. Really, it's that idea of of a level playing field for all students. That would be kind of a really key priority. And and you know, as an SU, we advance that obviously through the idea of active inclusion and through equity mainly, making sure that every student does have equality of opportunity at the heart of their education. Um, our students come from very diverse backgrounds, from commuter students to underrepresented backgrounds, and it's making sure that every student, despite what group they identify with. Um, that they really have that level playing field to pursue their passions to pursue the opportunities and how it's we can really work all of us together to really break down those barriers wherever they exist to give give all of them that chance and i think that's where where you know you know su's come into play because su's actually provide a really diverse mechanism for students to to explore their passions in life. Um, and I think extracurriculars are just key in all, but as Meg highlighted, because that kind of really gives you the wider experience. And I think in terms of that as well, that comes down to being sure that in everything the university does, the lived experience of students, what happens in their day-to-day lives um, is impacted and is, is reflected. You know, we hear in the media constantly that um, our students of color are being disproportionately impacted by obviously by everything going on by the pandemic. And and that will no doubt be an issue going forward. And it's one that we're acutely aware of and we wanna really uh, focus on. And, you know, th- there's a privilege associated with being able to really read that and not experience it yourself and, and for students that that is their day to day reality. It must be incredibly daunting um, to know that that, that that they're essentially part of that statistic. So it's how we can really make sure that it's that inclusive experience that Meg highlighted that levels the playing field for each and every student uh, where we move beyond the labels of student groups and where they all feel that they, they truly and effectively belong.
0: Laura, I guess um, maybe maybe I don't, I'm not understanding it correct, completely right. But I mean, it feels like you're kind of like playing the role of the, the civil servant in this situation. Is that kind of right? You've got you've got the yeah. officers who are working on their manifestos. You can't really, you've got to do your best to help them operate. That must be quite I, because someone has been at the university for such a long time and you've seen you've seen the way it goes. You must have your own ideas about how things could be could could be run better as well. So do you sort of guide Supports let people just get on with it
5: yeah civil service is exactly how I would I would describe it I, I mean I've been a, I've been around student unions for about 20 years I've been at Brighton for just two and a half years so I have the advantage of, of seeing what happens in other universities and students unions and, and we share that information a lot I guess For me it is about building that platform and helping giving, just like we try to give our students information so they can make an informed choice, it's exactly the same for the officer team, that we can give them examples of where we may have done things in a different way in different years or how we might have seen through our student support team certain themes coming through, how we might see through our student voice team and, and the course representatives whether are particular challenges in certain areas, either schools or educationally or outside the uh, education experience of how we might bring that together and how that might be something that we can look at. But ultimately it is the officer's choice of how we move forward. Um, and, and our role is just to keep the business going underneath and the shops and the bars and the, the societies and the course reps and just keep that churning underneath so that there's an information stream coming up and through the officer team.
0: How important is it for all of you just to, to, you know, to bring current issues to the fore for the students as, as well, um, to the decision makers at the university? And I know that you now are going to be involved in helping to, to inform some of those, some of those decisions, but a um, no, very diverse very, a background of students um, acting on moments in time. And I'm thinking here, obviously, about things like the Black Lives Movement currently. How do you sort of, how, how do you drive that change? I'm interested to know your thoughts.
4: We um, obviously, as a key starting point, we always reach out directly to our students um, to really gain insight directly from them about the things that really mean, mean a lot to them. And those really effectively become our, our, our manifestos. Um, obviously in the recent context of recent events, uh, our students have, have been very passionate about it. Um, and we recently obviously held a, a Black Lives Interaction Forum last week actually to really give students a platform to raise their concerns. Um, and you know, it, it's sad because Obviously, universities are ultimately, it's a microcosm of the reality around us, but you, where universities come and play is, is obviously they can be a factor for, for social change. And it, it's what you know we're keen on, making sure that that social change does happen because the reality of the matter is that our students do experience racial disparities and structural inequalities, but it's how we can continue to really effectively work to make sure that that's eradicated um, within their time here. And it, it is sad that another innocent man had to lose their life tragically and be murdered in that way to, to propel this but what that actually gives it gives heightened momentum make sure that this moment isn't lost in time isn't lost in history it's on another moment that, that really everyone is coming together to tackle this even those that aren't impacted by it on a day basis because they equally have a duty in combating that
2: I think also in the terms of like being able to hear what the students are saying we're particularly fortunate to be in a place where students are so vocal on social media and that we have our facebook page we have our twitter page we do um get a lot of so like for example the black lives for um, black lives matter forum that we had on monday the fact that they were so, so active in the chat and they were so willing to say their thoughts we're so fortunate to be able to have uh, have a students that are willing to um give us the information we need to help the, help guide our movements in the way that will best suit them so it's just it, it it's it's a difficult time um in terms of how sensitive the matter is, but we are trying our best to just do whatever we need for the students
0: yeah i i I'm interested also to know um and laura I think you'll be quite um good at this as well um there's obviously we there will always be, it's the whole issue about trying to be the voice of all students. And for that, Matt, there'll be lots of, because of that, you have a, a wide range of views and opinions as well about, um, you know, how do you make decisions basically about when you would support or not support industrial action, for example, Laura, I think that's one of those things that students ask a lot of questions about. How, how do you make those decisions? Because I think it's good for maybe to, to tell students how, how you actually understand how those decisions are made.
5: Yeah, and I think the last 12 months have given us particular challenging situations which have really polarised the student population, and the strikes is a really good example of that. So where, you know, the pandemic perhaps has brought people together with individual lived experiences in that, but together for one central issue, the strikes really were a polarising issue. I think it's as we've talked about before, it's going out and seeking opinions and using our knowledge about what we know students are feeling and thinking. Sometimes we'll ask that question directly, um, and sometimes that's based on the information that we already know through our existing communication channels. But I think we also acknowledge and realise that when we make policy decisions, when we make statements on things, which are very much led by the elected officers, so there is a democratic root in it all that we're not gonna be on the side of what every student wants us to be doing. And the strikes were very impactful on some schools, not as impactful on other schools. And clearly that meant that some students weren't perhaps as aware of the issue and quite wondering why we took the opinions we did on the strikes last year, but they were very much fed about what we were hearing, what we were experiencing from the student body.
0: So this is gonna be a very different academic year. Um so yeah, I mean you said already, you know, manifesto is kind of almost some of it's not really applicable almost, or you have to look at different ways of doing things now. Um, it's uh yeah, it's a it's a very difficult time for for lots of students that are already at the uni for students who are um thinking about coming and they're about to start their journeys. And the BSU's role is obviously to help students settle in. How do you think you're gonna to have to adapt all of your roles um in these in these coming months
1: um i think that this role if it's taught me anything is diplomacy 101 is super duper important i think you need to you know um the fact it's quite comforting that we actually are elected at the end of the day so we are elected to represent the 21,000 students at the university of brighton um, and with that however that comes a huge responsibility of striking balance between um you know the lobbying between um working directly like with you know ueb but also making sure that we're held, like holding them to account for instance with the blm forum um you know it was really important for us to take in what ueb was saying in order for us then to create a continuous dialogue um, and go back and forth until we're happy that our students are being represented i think it goes down to as well kind of setting your intentions to be a representative of you know the the students and making sure that that intention is you know um rekindled at the end of every week so i've been you know for the last four weeks i've been really sitting myself down and asking myself what am i doing why am i doing this and what is who is going to benefit from it if it's not students benefiting from what you want to do or what you want to campaign for then is it something that is going to be productive? Or maybe is it going to be taking your time away from actual essential campaigning, essential lobbying, um, and essentially being that representative? So I think it is about striking balance and and renewing your intention constantly week in, week
3: out. Funny enough, I got given a really good piece of advice at the weekend. um, And it was something I feel like Rami has done all year round. I've always... Since working at Basement Central, I've seen him doing this like 100% and the advice was um, every single meeting you have whether it's five minutes long, three hours long, 20 minutes, treat each meeting like it's the most important meeting of the day because that person who's having the meeting with you might have been waiting weeks to have that meeting and it might be their most important meeting. And whether I've come from like a really long, like stressful meeting, I wouldn't want to then take it to that meeting if they've been waiting ages, even if it's 10 minutes, cause that's so important to them. So, and I definitely feel like Rami did that last year, like not even being in the role, I just could tell that he he's that kind of person. So I feel like that's a massive um, goal for this year and something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. Um, so how can BSU, Support students then in this in autumn's new normal. You know we roughly know how it's going to work now, um, in terms of the blend of uh, on campus and and remote learning. Um, Obviously, there's information um, from university about that starting to come out now. How is the university and BSU going to make this the the best possible experience for students coming in? How are you going to do that? Start with CM.
1: Um, I think. One thing that helps—the silver lining in all of this—is that myself, Meg, and Evangeline just came out of being university students about two and a half, three months ago. So it means that we were actually one of the first students to encounter, the first students to encounter, what it's like to be, you know, a third-year student, more specifically, under, you know, a pandemic. So I think, and that's, I think the experiences there are still raw and we're still kind of dealing and processing uh, you, you know that and I think the detriment policy no detriment policy was incredibly helpful but between you know coming to the conclusion of the no detriment policy somewhere in between there was a huge level of uncertainty that was put on students and I think that we can relate we can relate to that still to this very day um, one thing that's also handy is Rami like you know running second time <laughs> you know his second term means that he's the educational expert and I think he's really guiding us where we're kind of fusing the, the um, you know his education expertise now and, and, and Laura's experience with dealing with BSU and UEB and also our university student lived experience both pre-COVID and post-COVID kind of into one to create something that all students can benefit from whether that be mature students commuters uh, you know ethnic minorities um student you know single parents um yeah so i think that's the most important thing that remembering we too were students three months ago
4: and, and there's there's a, such value in that because obviously in, in any decision that we make we go directly back to students and you know there will be those that obviously ask themselves, is student partnership truly possible during this time where it looks like a lot of tough decisions need to be made? But we would we would come back to that and say that, that it's not only possible, it's really necessary because even when decisions tough decisions are going to be made as they're being made right now, actually involving students in that process, building that community of openness, um, of shared compassion, of involving them in, 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 the, in the collective responsibility, because the truth is everyone has a collective responsibility into adjusting uh, not to what, you know, a new normal, what Laura calls back to better, but that's gonna require really a a change in social norms in the way that people behave, in the way that even that they're they're on a campus. And to get everyone to really involved in that shared responsibility, to make sure that students are at the heart of it, they need to be involved in in the decision-making behind it all, whether that's how we return to campus, uh, whether that's decisions that are made, even if it's a tough decision, because what we've seen from students is it's, you know, it's, it's perhaps an oversimplified explanation, but essentially what really matters and what we've seen make a difference during this time is, is compassion. It's empathy. Uh, it's, it's, going back to students, even when the answer isn't easy, explaining to them why, Um, you know, always involving them every single step of the way. And and that's how you really do get students to adjust to a new normal, because they feel part of it, even when it's tough, even when it's hard, they feel at the heart of it, not not on the outside looking in, wondering why decisions were made. And that's where we constantly make sure that students are involved in every key decision, because it really makes a difference. And again, the year ahead will be challenging, but we've also seen great adaptability and innovation. A lot of students are doing incredible things, Uh, colleagues are doing really good things as well. So, you know, there is innovation, but it's how we can actually learn from that. Because what's interesting about COVID is there's no silver linings in a pandemic, but obviously there have been great lessons to be learned. And I think COVID has really prevented, allowed everyone to really step back and ask themselves why certain things were done in the way that they were previously. And and this really accelerates the arrival of a a future I think everyone's yearning for. Um, So it's how we can actually involve students in that, make sure that they're leading those changes, because we saw that with our action forum last week, that, you know, students came with such passionate ideas for change, and co-creating change with with students, again, isn't just always about feedback or consulting with them, but it's it's actually a lot of times putting them at the heart of decision-making, and seeing what they think needs to happen, um, because there's a lot of power in that
2: because yeah, even if you take the no detriment policy, at that moment in time, Meg, Siem and myself were students. We were going through that. We were, um, we, everyone was in this form of, what if uncertainty changes and we were all in our final years it was high pressure and all these things but there's a level of comfort that comes in when your SU is communicating with you and fighting your battles for you you feel like you are being heard you feel like you are being supported and that support in itself made, personally for me I would say made my exam period a lot a lot um easier in the sense of I felt like I was hurt I felt like they did the very best they could to make this time um the best it could be given the circumstances because at the end of Day. there's nothing we could have done to control covid but just because we can't control what happened we can control how we react and how we change and how we adapt and that's why it's really important to just keep on going back to the students and this way they'll when we keep on going back to them and asking them how they feel they will be more likely to come and talk to us about things that they're that is on their heart on their mind which they want to change because they will feel like they are actually going to be listened to and that change will happen
0: laura i'm interested to hear more about back to better what's the uh what what, what have you been saying to to your offices
5: yeah it's ju- it's just about you know as rami said it's not the silver lining necessarily, because it it might feel wrong to use that term. There are some really good things that have happened during this time, so for example our communications i think has has really taken a positive um Turn towards addressing some of the students who we might normally we might not normally hear from as often um, so some of our commuting students for example some of our mature students some of our student parents and we've really had a great opportunity to reach out very positively to those students the postgrad students to actually try and make an influence on what's happening to their their world and they can see that actually we're here for them as much as we are for the students who they might think we've typically previously engaged with it's also around just the general working practices. We're split across four campuses. And as a university, that can make sometimes the shared experiences more difficult and people thinking, well, I'm, I'm an Eastbourne student and therefore I, I'm not treated in the same way as I might be if I was a Brighton student, for example. And just using this, these video chats that they're not as scary as maybe they might have once seemed and that a student anywhere studying a University of Brighton course in Australia can reach out and talk to us in the same way as you can if you were studying at the Morescombe campus and we need to not lose sight of that when we all go back onto the physical campus again.
0: I'm going to quickly talk about societies and freshers and stuff in just a moment. Um, just before we do that I think it'd be interesting for students especially that are coming in or students that are still around just to sort of chat through how decisions are made, how you influence decisions at a university executive board level and a lot of people won't know who that is and we all we all do but you know this is your vice chancellor this is your pro vice chancellors your your, uh registrar secretary the people that make the decisions about your um your university education and student experience and all that kind of stuff and you guys are involved in um in those conversations do you want to just sort of explain your input and how that works then just, just so students know, you know, what your voice is, what a student voice is and and, and, and where it's represented at the highest level.
4: That's a really good question. And, and I, I think what, you know, when you go into this role, you quickly learn that there's a lot of different people and a range of stakeholders that you work with. Students are first and foremost the people that we serve directly and always. And everything that we do is guided by the question of, you know, is what do the students want and how, we can, how can we make their, not only their educational experience, but their wider experience meaningful? And to do that, obviously, work with, we work with a range um, of people across the institution, from UEB to the vice chancellor, to the professional services, to academic colleagues. And what's interesting about that is, obviously, as a student, you may not even know what the professional services are. I, I didn't. But going into this role, you, re, you realize that there's a lot of different individuals that work across fields, from marketing communications, um, you know, policy evaluation, that really bring it all to life. To students that it essentially portray the wider picture and the way that we do that always is, is again wherever we go any meeting that we're involved in we're constantly trying to shed light on, on, on the student aspect of the student interest and you know that, that's not always an easy process because ultimately it's about collaboration and, and that's where higher education is, is most powerful and we've seen a lot of that recently across universities and across STUs where people are speaking to one another they're collaborating and, and that goes into different modes sometimes it's holding people to account sometimes it's actively partnering with them so it, it goes in and out of different phases in different modes but at the heart of it is always that intent to serve and advance students and and i think what's interesting about all this as well is that now we don't for any second question people's intent about doing things because everyone is committed in some way to the student experience but it's the approaches of people that are different and it's, it's how we can actually adopt an inclusive approach that truly betters the student experience um and that's what what we advance as an su i mean that's really our key priority making sure that the approach is the right one by students making sure that the university uh, is actively looking at that wider lived experience of students um, because numeric th- data can always go, can only go so far. But when you look behind that, you realize the intersecting inequality. In- qualities. And so we work with a range of, you know, uh, people throughout, again, from from Professor Whitaker to the Vice Chancellor to to UEB, again, throughout the institution, we attend, for instance, all 12 school level education student experience committees. And we were really keen this year to make sure that course reps were involved in in that decision making. So now they're actively involved kind of in those priorities on a school level. Uh, And we go to all 12 of those. So, So we do it across ways. But I think Laura, as always, will have a very amazing answer to this. So I'm keen to hear from Laura, actually.
5: I I think it's just fair to say that we are very privileged that we have a seat at pretty much every table in the university committees, which can sometimes feel very, uh, you know, going back to the meeting conversations, there are a lot of meetings that the officers, myself and and my colleagues have to attend, but actually we are very privileged to do that. So uh, Siham and Rami are both uh, university governors, for example, so they sit at the very highest top table of university decision making. And then we also filter down to all of the other levels of decision-making so we can really try and make an impact before it even gets to the point of a decision, bringing forward, as Rami said, all the views of the students to the best of our ability. So we are very fortunate, but that doesn't mean that we sit there and, and listen obligingly to everything that's said to us. We do challenge where it's appropriate to try and make sure that we get the best experience for our students wherever we can.
1: And I think just to add in my like small experience now going into my fourth week um, I think this is when it's really really important I think this year more than ever this academic year more than ever students really really should you know feel okay and comfortable to reach out to us and because the beautiful thing about these meetings is that when we have you know a whole load of documents of, of people student experiences um, and you know experiences whether that be with a particular school or their experiences with societies activities or uh, matters of inclusion and when we go then to these you know very uh you know very big meetings at the highest level of the institution we use that student experience that we've kind of had the opportunity to to hear as main our main evidence really for change and for a need of change so i think that now more. More than ever, we need students to be okay and be comfortable to come to, you know, talk to us about their issues um, and express their concerns because that essentially is co-creating, you know, our campaigns and, you know, um, our discussions at those, you know, big board meetings.
0: It's good for, for students to know all that. And, uh, and, and Rami, I seem to remember that the course reps and the role of the course reps is one of your priorities last year. So there we go. That's uh, that's that's action taken that shows that action will, you know, you'll, you'll deliver on your promises. You've, you, you've set, set the standard there, Rami. Um, question that everyone wants to know, uh, what's going to happen with societies at the beginning of this academic year and what will freshers look like?
5: On freshers, it's changing as the world is every week. Um, We are planning to do as much in person as we possibly can. Whatever is safe to do by the time we get to the end of September, we will be delivering in person. But we also recognise that there will be more, probably more students than ever, that will be not travelling to the university for the full experience of living on site. And we need to make sure that they are as welcomed into the university as people who choose to move into halls of residence. So we will be, we are building virtual platforms. Um, that we can host activities and events on so quiz nights comedy nights Um, there will be things like cooking shows all those kind of activities to really welcome people into the experience and again this is a back to better moment for me that previously when we were doing in person events if you were there at the time then you got the benefit from it by doing some of this stuff virtually it can be recorded it can be rerun at a time that works conveniently for the students so I think this is an opportunity where we've perhaps been forced into something that will probably keep for years to come. Clearly, sadly, we can't do our normal big Freshers' Fair events at the Amex Stadium. I mean that's inevitable. It's unlikely, unfortunately, that we'll be getting the full nightclub experiences for those that enjoy those but we'll be putting plenty of other activities on through the days, through the evenings that students can virtually come to or in person come to to still try and create that community sense, that sense of longing for new students and returning students that want to find those activities. Uh, Meg, do you want to talk about societies?
3: Yeah, um, as I said earlier, societies, I, I think, are really important. I think a lot of people would agree. So a lot of students are wondering what's going to happen when we get back and how they're going to see their friends and put on events. Um, and things like that. But I think at the moment um, we're working on how, it's gonna, how each society can um, do things virtually. Um, a lot, the activities team coming up with ways to help societies so if they don't have any ideas um, they we're, we're going out and finding them for them so they don't panic and just give up altogether. Um, as well we're currently coming up with a really exciting way of um, bringing uh, all the societies together, um, so they've got something um, to do. I don't know if I can say that, Laura, because it hasn't really <laughs> been done. yet.
5: Yeah. yeah, it's because the world is changing so quickly. I th- about seven days ago, we thought the whole thing was gonna be virtual, didn't we? And now the world is shifting in, in the sense that we really, really hope we can do more in-person stuff, and that will include the, the societies, because as Meg said, the importance of those is just immeasurable and that's why the people on this call are part of the students union now and that's that's really important that we make sure it can happen but we saw some brilliant stuff happening in the last term um, that we've just experienced when it all happened really really quickly and we saw some fantastic things with the B Dance Society doing some online sessions for example really good stuff happening so we're just going to build on that aren't we about mm. how we can make it a space that students feel comfortable and again there'll be an opportunity for students, perhaps commuting students, who might not have traditionally got involved in some of these to to now really get involved.
3: Mm. Um, I really wanna come up with a way of bringing all the societies together, whether it's a lip sync battle or karaoke thing, like some kind of competition to um, give them like the drive and encouragement to um, have something to work on. Um, And it will also bring all of the societies together, not just individually
2: because even if you look at it in terms of like um well-being and like mental health societies have proved to be something that really does help um, alleviate the stress and even from like my um from like scrolling through instagram and seeing how the different societies are the way in which they boost one another through the activities they've done and even some people have um like from b dance one of the girls joined two other girls and made their own dance and was posting that and just increasing morale so it is um amazing the level of support and um what you do get from joining society so i think this year especially with the challenges that we faced during lockdown and how many stories that we have some really some people really really benefited from it but some people did struggle from um doing their doing their activities on their home front so having things like this which is hopefully a blended approach of it both we can then show them that mental health is also um, benefited through joining
1: society and just to add, um, I know it's quite early to say this, but just to add onto Vandalin's point, um, a lot of us actually found ourselves in societies. Um, a lot of us found that we're, we have that kind of leadership streak through societies and through you know being uh, you know at the epicenter of kind of making decisions for on a society level. So I think, and that's not going to change. We still need leaders for tomorrow. We still need leaders for the following years and, and, and the near future. So societies are still as important as ever. And they're still a a, a you know a, like a home ground for students to to find themselves and to refine their core communication skills. So that's not going to change, even if we are doing anything like everything remotely.
3: Can I just add one more thing? If that's okay. Um. It. I think a lot of societies. Uh. It's really interesting to see that lots of the societies are coming up with really creative ways already, um. And that's so good to see that they're like even though a lot has happened in the past few months they're still really positive and they're still coming up with um ways of getting people involved like whether it's new students or returning students so it's going to be really interesting to see the new creative things that they come
0: up with maybe we'll have a an officer team lip sync backup battle that would be good to see we all like to see it um something to think about uh look you would look like it would be an, an amazing team uh, we're just going to finish with um, a bit of a quick fire round okay so with five of you it's a little bit tricky but we're going to go i'm going to say something and you're going to give me your answer okay so we're going to do it in this order because this is the order you are on my screen so it'll be meg siam laura rami and evangeline so that's that's how it'll go every time okay So that's how you're, I don't know if you're lined up in a similar kind of way, but that's how you look on my screen right now. So here we go. We're just going to get to know you a little bit away from your roles. Um, So first one, what do you do to relax?
3: Um, Cook. Uh,
1: Listen to music, read a book, go out for a walk, anything, one of the above (laughs) or all.
5: (laughs) Watch and play sports, probably.
4: I actually end my day by writing a list of things that I either achieved or things that I'm grateful for, and then I read that same list the next day, so it always puts me in a really good mindset.
2: Um, for me, I would either chuck on some fluffy socks, um, play play an instrument, or the person who attends every single one of my meetings gets some cuddles from her, so <laughs> that's that's the options I have. <laughs>
0: So you just show just if you're listening to the audio version, you've just shown your dog there, uh, so but it's definitely worth the, the reason to go to look in, in on the YouTube version instead. Right, favorite <laughs> hobby like um, uh,
3: musical theater performing and playing ukulele. Travelling
1: I love city breaks. I don't know if that counts.
0: That counts um,
5: might it be football? playing it and watching
4: it? Uh, mine would be Model United Nations. So uh, from a very young age, about 10 years ago, I started getting involved in that and I used to debate basically human rights issues and draft resolutions to that, which gives me still to this day, it actually a lot.
2: Um, for me, either playing, the, um, playing an instrument or going for like a really long walk.
0: Best thing about Sussex?
3: Um, the diversity and... Uh, how friendly people
1: are I'm a commuter so I definitely know the difference between good air and London air when I see it so it's always nice to be in Sussex for that reason Uh,
5: I think you've got the best of both worlds you've got the sea on one side of the A27 and you've got the South Downs on the other side so you've got a beautiful microcosm of, of the whole of the country I think
4: I would say the atmosphere really, because actually it brings out, I think, the authenticity in everyone and kind of encourage, I mean, that's what Sussex did for me, actually. It really enabled me to live my most authentic life.
2: The different styles of cafes they have, so there's a dog cafe where you're allowed to have dogs running free and you get some coffee and um, the sea is not too far from it, so that's mine. (laughs)
0: Uh, Clearly, as we said earlier, no good thing about a pandemic, but just because of the way we all had to live our lives, what do you think is there any major positives that you will take forward um, that you've changed about your lives?
3: Um, As cliche as it sounds, I feel like I've learned to be more grateful of everything really, and not taking any day for granted.
1: (laughs) Similarly to Meg, I think living in the moment and being present um
3: because we all grow
1: up we all end up finding jobs and you know make pro- progress in our career paths and whatnot but you know enjoying your use for what it is now i think is, is something that i'm really like cherishing um you know post lockdown
5: uh, for me i if if they're listening the bsu team i appreciated them before but i appreciate them even more now we've got 40 of the most wonderful staff that you will ever encounter and the way that they have responded to this current situation has been absolutely phenomenal. So I'm, I've learned to be even more grateful of the team that I get to work with every day.
4: I would fully echo Laura on that one. And actually, I would say thank you to you, Laura, and you're on this podcast, but for, for everything that you've done really to any,
2: all of us during this period.
5: Right, back at you, Rami.
2: Aww. But um, again, with that support, but, um, I think for me would be either appreciating the um the actual human face-to-face interactions you have and the events that will be planned and how important structure is for a day because when you're at home you don't really you can lose track of time and then i realized how productive i am when i actually have a structure to my day so i'm going to continue that when i get back out of the pandemic and
3: how i perform my days
0: final few tell us something about you which a lot of people may not know
3: um this is really random but i used to have um, a fan account for Irina Grande on Twitter when I was about 13 and she followed me on it so that's like a massive achievement.
1: <laughs> um, oh god this is really hard oh my god I, I can speak about a lot. Okay, um, I am multilingual but I'm getting to a point with being bilingual where I'm getting bad at every single language so it's kind of slowly depreciating. So if any students ever want to talk to me in Arabic strictly or French and even in a bit of, a bit of Spanish for educational purposes, I am absolutely down.
5: How can I follow that you can speak all the languages? Uh, <laughs> uh, probably if you went into a Colchester shopping centre and there was uh, a fire or bomb alert, happy story, it would be my voice that you hear over the um, airwaves. Um, purely because my brother fixed their uh, equipment and they asked me to do the recording. So there you go. Essex accents are sometimes popular.
4: I don't have anything as cool as everyone else here. But actually, before coming to Brighton, when I first finished my initial degree back in the US, I went to Jordan. We worked in refugee camps for about two years. Um, And I think that's an experience that I still actually carry with me to this very day. And I think a lot of it actually helped kind of initially stand for election.
2: Um, mine is when I was younger, I did horse riding and that's something I really want to get back into.
0: Cool. Final one, guilty pleasure?
3: Um, I think mine is the TV show Glee because I feel like a lot of people hate it, but I absolutely love it. And I've watched every episode about 20 times.
1: So. Similarly, I, I do love some Real Housewives. Um, so sometimes you need a bit of, you know, a bit of binge
5: watching on absolute rubbish so oh god it's going to be an interesting year um mine's probably really geekily jigsaws there's nothing that kind of can chill you out more than just focusing on that that's proper geeky
4: my, mine is quite nerdy as well. And I think this won't come as a surprise to everyone here, um, but actually I love nothing. Nothing excites me more than actually a really good policy with cake and both of them actually for me go hand in hand. So I just love reading good policies and eating cake at the same time and everyone's laughing right now, but it really does amazing things for me.
2: I, I really don't know how to follow that, follow that one. Um, <laughs> uh, guilty pleasure. Uh, um... Maybe it's how much I can change a song that's trending into something that is suitable to my dog and she'll just listen to me sing it and completely just mind her day.
0: <laughs> policy with cake. Give it all a good... To me, that's a better way of reading a policy. So that's the, it definitely improves upon things there. Look, all five of you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm, I'm sure I speak for everyone when I wish I you the very best of luck for the academic year ahead um, and, and that's it for this week's podcast you can subscribe review retweet and share We're on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify all the usual podcast apps thanks for listening